1: If I'm nearly dead and I don't make it out of this ambulance and die en route, which is very highly likely, is there life after death or nothing? Next minute, as I'm questioning all these things in my mind, I see a clear vision of my mother on her knees praying. I didn't know on the other side of the world, my mother, God had literally spoken to her and said, your of son Ian is nearly dead.
2: Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story, where today we'll hear part two of Ian McCormack's incredible life-after-death experience after being bitten by several box jellyfish. As we just heard, Ian was struggling to stay alive in the back of an ambulance when he saw a vision of his mother. Let's find out what happens next as Ian McCormack shares with Karen Hunt today
1: on The Story. My father remembers her. She was so distraught. She fell to her knees and began praying. Something wrong. Something wrong with Ian. Something wrong. And I'm looking at her, going, "Mom." And she said, "Ian, no matter how far from God you may be, son, no matter what you've done wrong, if you call out to God from your heart, God will hear you, and God will forgive you, son." And I'm thinking, "Okay, God, if you're real, now's a good time to show your face." I need to see to believe. No face of any God appeared. Only my mum. And I thought, mum's not God. I said, well, she prays to Jesus. I wonder, what would you pray that's Christian? I thought, well, the Lord's Prayer. My mum used to kneel as a little boy by my bed, who was a little kitty, and pray every night, the Our Father, which art in heaven. I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose as a gambler, putting all your chips up on one number, but hey, I ain't seen Ganesh or Vishnu or Baba or any of these other boys. I've seen my mother. And I said, okay, God, help. Couldn't remember the prayer. My mother said, Ian, from your heart, not your head. I said, God, if you see anything good in my heart, a stone, but help me. Next moment, the whole prayer came. Time and that ambulance went into slow motion. When I finished the prayer, a peace entered my heart that has not left me in 30 years. So I feel this peace hit me. I feel like crying, but I've been taught men don't cry, only boys. So I'm holding this stuff in. <laughs> Can't do that anymore, but <laughs> I wept. And I lay there and I felt. My heart has just been given to God. If you love someone, you give me your heart. That peace entered me. I thought, what a time to figure out that God's real just before a man dies. I, thought, I wonder how many men just like me, complete atheist, messed up, drugged up, boozed up, violent people, get saved like me in an ambulance just before they die. I thought, you better be really careful you don't judge people. You should be doing what mum does, pray for people. Next minute, I'm in a hospital they put putting a blood pressure thing on my arm. Can't find a pulse. Nurse tries another machine. Can't find a pulse. Oh, fr- I, I can hear them. I feel like I'm coming out of my body. These people are freaking out, man. I, I'm thinking, well, my extremities are shut down. I'm in a crash mode. I know what's going on. I'm very close to death. The nurses and the warders are freaking. Doctors see me, see no blood pressure. One of the doctors start filling up syringe himself. When doctors start filling up syringes, you know you're in trouble, man. And smashing my hand. They're trying to get a line in. Can't get a line in. Veins are gone. They've got one chance straight into the heart. But if they don't know what they're doing, they can kill the person. You don't practice this stuff. You might have done it as a locum, but you do not do this. Unless you know what you're doing, you can punch to the heart. You can do some serious damage. So he's, he's looking at me going, son, you, w- w- keep your eyes open. We'll try and save your life, but I'm afraid that's all we can do. So they've shoved anti-serum into my arms. They've tried to put drip feed in for the dextrose and dehydration, but I'm going further and further away. I can see he's not going to risk going for the heart. He said, son, that's all we can do. Do not close your eyes, you will die. Well, I'd heard that way back on the beach. So I thought I've been in enough parties where I've drunk enough men under the table, mate, and pulled enough bongs to have them all KO'd. I'm a, I, I've got a fairly high tolerance to staying up. <laughs> i will I will stay awake all night. This is not going to kill me. The trouble is that poison didn't listen to me. <laughs> it started moving deeper and deeper. I got to the point when they, a few moments later, I couldn't move anything in my body except my eyelids. Mm. Couldn't move my head. Couldn't open my mouth. Couldn't move my hand, finger, nothing. I'm right in this edge of total death. I can hear the doctors talking. So, mate, it's, it's going to, you know, almost basically going to go. And I thought I have to rest. So I closed my eyes, try and find some strength. As I shut my eyes, I felt something break free from my body. I felt the battle to stay alive had finished. Machines monitor my heart, flatlined. Next minute, bam, I'm out. Now, people talk about this, and, and when someone flatlines, the heart stops. okay? If there's no artificial respiration offered to the brain, then within, within a few seconds, the oxygen supply to the brain, the brain dies. The whole thing, your brain dead. A lot of people can be kept alive though that heart stop but they can keep them alive you understand so mm-hmm. I'm lying there thinking Whew, I'm out you heard of people looking on their bodies oh yeah yeah and they can hear the whole conversation Yeah. I'm thinking man I'm dead but I'm alive
3: so your eyes did close
1: yeah and I'm gone but the Bible mm-hmm. says the spirit leaves the body and it's Jesus said I'm the resurrection of life those who believe me even if they die yet they shall live so there's life after death so I'm out of my body in a moment out of the hospital in complete darkness. I thought, did I die? Did I just leave my body? Or have we had a power cut, and I've woken up in the dark, and we've got a power cut going on here. So the last thing I'm thinking is what I thought was real. I'm thinking, well, am I back in the hospital? (laughs) And it's just gone dark. It was so quick. So I turned around, couldn't see any light. I thought, what's, what's That's weird, man. It's normally some light. I thought, well, let's find the light switch. I don't know if you ever slept at a friend's place, need to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. Well, I'm groping off here to the right looking for the wall, you know, find the wall, find the light switch, nothing. As I'm doing that, I thought, well, that's great. Hospital bed, should be a lap next to it. Grope back towards where my bed should be. Can't find it. I thought, oh, great, now you've lost your bed, you idiot. So I'm groping around in circles looking for something physical to touch. I thought, it's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. So I brought my hand up just to see how dark it really was. And my hands seem to come into my face Mm. and pass straight through the other side. And I'm going, no, no, that's impossible. You can't miss your face. Two hands. Both hands straight through my face should be. Where's my chest? Both hands straight. I feel like I'm standing there. Straight through an invisible chest. I thought, where are my hands? Both hands go through each other. I'm thinking, but it's me. I'm here. And Of course, as Christians, we know that your spiritual body is more important and more real than your physical that your your person is not made up of your physical form, it's the inner man, it's the spirit, the human soul that is the real person. So I'm realizing I, me, is outside my body. My body's back in that hospital, literally, and I'm out of it in total darkness. I then felt evil, like invisible eyes all around me, that this darkness wasn't just um, physical, it was spiritual. Extraordinary evil. I felt a cold chill going through me, felt as though something was walking towards me out from the darkness and was literally moving straight on me. Then I heard a man to my right, he said, shut up. I went, shut up. I said, nothing. Another man to my left, you deserve to be here. I said, deserve to be where? Where am I? Another man, you're in hell. Now shut up. And off they go, cursing and abusing me. Now I'm thinking, hell? Well, hell's supposed to be a party place. Everything you can't do up here, you can do down here. Well, very hard to grab a beer when you can't find your face. Yeah. So I'm standing here going, wait, hey, this ain't no party. Then yeah. I'm thinking, well, if this is hell, where's the demons with the horns, the trident pitchforks, the little tails and red jumpsuits, and where's the fire and the, and the roast these things on the barbie? So there's the other impression I'd had from Christendom of religion. Hell, fire, and brimstone, boy, go down there and roast those flippin' sinners. And that Lucifer loves the fire and, you know, it's his domain. Well, I read later in the Bible that Satan hates the fire. It says when he gets chucked into the lake of fire and brimstone, he'd be tormented. He hates the fire. In Ezekiel, it says that God destroyed his angelic body with fire from the midst of him. I think it's Ezekiel 38, verse 17 and 18, and turned him to ash. That's why God does with, with Satan and the third of the angels. He basically cast them out of heaven, destroyed their angelic bodies. That's why you can't see them down here. But you know when demons are around, you can feel them. Oh, yeah demons of darkness, principalities and power. So I'm staying here in darkness thinking, well, there's no fire. Huh? Well, what's happening? <laughs> Why is it only darkness? I'd been told that it's supposed to be fire. I found out later, of course, that God's an all-consuming fire. And fire, of course, gives off light. Acts 26, 18, Paul said there's a the kingdom of darkness ruled by Satan, a kingdom of light ruled by Jesus. In fact, darkness is the absence of light. And if God is light, darkness is the absence of God. But I don't know any of this stuff, I'm standing here going, no fire here. That doesn't make sense. No. It's darkness. Why are they tell me to shut up? I said to Lad God later, he said Psalm thirty one verse seventeen. The dead don't praise the Lord nor do those who go down into silence. Psalm hundred fifteen verse seventeen. So I'm the next man to stand there thinking well, okay, God's got every reason to send me here. Thank God in that ambulance I made Jesus Lord and Savior of my soul. He was walking me through the valley of the shadow of death and deep darkness, but evil could not touch me. Because greater is he within me, nothing can separate me from God's love. Even if I go into the lower region, Psalm 139, nothing can nothing, nothing can separate me from God's love. He'd, he'd pursue me even to outer darkness. I don't believe every person who gives their life to Jesus goes through this, but I've met a lot of people God's taken through this darkness. Just to show them it's real.
2: You're listening to The Story. Today, we're hearing Ian McCormack share his incredible life after death experiences. We'll find out more
0: when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call or text 0401 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this
2: is The Story. Our guest today is Ian McCormack from New Zealand, otherwise known as the Box Jellyfish Man, and he's sharing his incredible life-after-death experience. Now, let's hear the conclusion of his remarkable story.
3: So how long are you actually dead for?
1: 15 to 20 minutes. So this is like real time. Mm. I'm standing there thinking, well, God could have thrown the key away on me, man. But the darkness couldn't touch me. I I, I sense, well, didn't I pray in that ambulance? I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Next minute, light pierces through the darkness. Then Colossians 1 verse 13, it says, um, God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9 Light shines in darkness, the darkness flees. So I'm standing in complete darkness, light shines into it, and it draws me up. i am been taken up into what appears to be a tunnel of light. Jesus said, small and narrow is the way that leads to the kingdom of God. So there's a passageway between darkness and light. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, I am the way, no one comes to the Father but by me. So I move along this tunnel of light, waves of light come up towards me, the first wave of light, comfort, then peace, then joy. So the opposite to the fruit of the flesh is the fruit of the spirit, comfort, peace, and joy. And I move out of the tunnel into a kingdom of light. I thought, what's this? The light filled the heavens. It's like the center of the universe, brighter and brighter in the center, but didn't hurt your eyes. I thought, well, is this just some innate power of good, or is there something in there? As I questioned that, I hear this man's voice. He said, Ian, which shocked me how he knew my name, Ian, do you wish to return? I thought, oh my God, there is someone. I looked behind me, and here was a tunnel dissipating back into hell. I said, if I'm out of my body, I wish to return. I don't know where I am. He said, Ian, if you return, you must see in a new light. I said, well, are you the true light? He said, Ian, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. I thought, God is light? I thought, I've just come from evil, and the men called it hell. I didn't believe in it. This is a religious trip to scare people into church. And I'm thinking, that was complete darkness. Here, there's none. No darkness, no evil. Therefore, if that's God in the center of the light, he knows my name, he seems to know my thought before I even speak, nothing's hidden from him. I felt incredibly ashamed, thought they have beamed the wrong man up. I shouldn't be here. I should crawl back into hell where I belong. Someone's made a dreadful mistake. Very ashamed, I began to move back towards the darkness to judge myself. Waves of liquid light pour off him. As it touches me, supernaturally I feel love. Credible love and acceptance flood into me. I begin to weep like a small child. I said, God, you cannot love me. I've cursed you, broken your commandments, taken drugs, more and more love. I said I've slept around and done horrendous things, dealing in drugs. I started telling him all the stuff I'd done. Every sin I'd done, his response unconditional. Pure love. I told him my worst sins. More so much love came in me he said son all your sins were forgiven when you prayed in that ambulance every single son you stand before me as if you're white as snow nothing nothing that you've done has not been cleansed and I then wept and I knew what a grace of God was I understand why John Newton the slave captain said amazing grace how sweet the sound when we've been there sound thousand years bright shine in the sun he knew something that guy and I was weeping and weeping and he said you were saved in the ambulance huh? So I said, God, can I come in and see you face to face? And he didn't say anything, but I thought if he loves me that much, he won't mind, surely. So I walked in, and then as I stepped into the center, the veils opened, and here was Jesus. How beautiful is that? For another man to say someone else is beautiful, I, I didn't think I could ever say that. So beautiful. So holy. Radiant garments of light reaching down to his bare feet, hands outstretched as if to welcome me. Yeah. And I thought, those are arms of love, man. Why is he loving me? I always wanted to turn away, but his arms were outstretched as if he was welcoming me home. I looked at him, and the light out of his face was so bright you couldn't make out his eyes or his mouth or his nose. I'm looking upon someone who loves me, has forgiven me, has healed my broken heart, and has accepted me as a son of God. And I realized that Jesus is God as I stood there. You see, you see me, you see the Father. He moves like a door of light. He wants to show me more. As he steps aside, I see the same circular shape dimension as the tunnel. As he steps aside right behind him, I see a whole new earth, not dissimilar to parts of Switzerland, New Zealand. Uh, you know, see that in Australia, beautiful, nat- natural, natural beauty. Fields, light upon the grass that could spring back. I can see the flowers have the light of heaven all over it. I see a crystal-clear river, trees on either side. Jesus is literally standing with his hand showing me a whole new earth, above it, a new heaven. And in that new heaven, there's a new Jerusalem. That's the city of God. I had comprehension from art that heaven was clouds and people with white sheets and fat little babies firing arrows at you. I thought, well, who'd want to go there, man? But I had no idea that God has created a new earth. Revelations one i I've created a new earth. This one will pass away. 2 Peter three, ten to 18, it's going with fire. God said, I make all things new. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. Some people think God's going to remodel this one. Why bother when he can speak in another world and can come into existence? He's already, He said, I've gone and prepared one. So I'm looking at it. Jesus then stepped back in front of me and asked me this very pertinent question. He said, son, do you want to remain here or do you wish to return? What would you like to do, Ian? Yeah, Which means I had free access in there. Yeah. Because why? Eternal life, free gift. I said, stay. I have no desire to come back. And I realize that everyone has seen this. No one wants to come back. No one. Not one person. And I looked, I said, God, no one loves me. I'm not married, have no children. I've got nothing to go back for. I looked back to say goodbye, to cruel world, and behind me was a vision of my mum. And I thought, if I go through, will my mother believe that I became a Christian? Who could tell her? An ambulance driver, no, doctor, no, nurse, no one could have told her. No, there was no change. Not one person on the planet would have believed because God heard my heart in that ambulance. No one knew I'd got saved. So I thought that would cripple my mother, I thought if I go back I can tell her if I've, I could find out where this place is and come back again. I said, God, I want to go back. He said, Ian, if you return you must see things in a new light, from a heavenly eternal perspective, not a temporary earthly one, through the eyes of love. When Christ comes into you, Christ in you, your whole world should change. You should no longer live for yourself. No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I'm a dead man walking. I do not live for myself. You can kiss goodbye selfishness, crucified on the cross. Your name, your pride, whatever, get rid of it, die to it. So many people full of themselves, I don't believe it. They're so busy building themselves up in lights, they want their names. I pray that Jesus' name is glorified, not my ministry or my name. They only know me as a jellyfish man. Thank God, after 30 <laughs> years, I'd rather be the jellyfish man than anyone else. So I'm looking at uh, Jesus, he said, will you go back? And I said, yes. I look back again, next to my mum is my dad, my brother and my sister, hundreds of thousands of people. I said, who are they? He said, I wish you to return to tell these people too. Most will not come into a church any longer to hear my name. I said, but God, I don't love them. Who are they to me? He said, Ian, I love them. I desire all of them to come to know me. I never knew that kind of love. I said, then God, I will go back for my mum. I'm not sure about all this. He said, said, how do I go back? He said, Ian, tilt your head, open your eye and see. In a second, I was back in my body on a slab and a walk. Doctor holding my foot with a scalpel. Suddenly his corpse comes to life. I open my eye. The whole thing goes off. He's freaking. I'm freaking out. I'm thinking, was that real? He's got a dead corpse that's been certified dead coming alive in front of him without anything going on. He's holding on to my foot with scalpel, dead a scalpel. You're a dead
3: me. body. You're there in the morgue. Yep. Suddenly you become alive. Yep. That would freak anybody out. It
1: freaked them out. I said, God, he said, I've just given your life back. I said, if that's true, can I look at my other? I'm getting sick <laughs> of looking at him. Turn <laughs> me to the left in the doorway. The nurse has been working on me AE and followed my corpse down. Mm. They saw me, pandemonium, freak out, people knocking each other over in the doorway. Run. I thought, well, let's yeah. say someone coming back from a coma. God, you're going to have to help me. I said, I need another miracle. I can feel nothing from my neck down. Mm. I'll be a vegetable. Three minutes in oxygen to brain, my whole neurons are gone. Do another miracle, God, or I would rather be dead than lie here in a machine. Power went through me like electricity. Death had coming through my feet. Healing and power was coming through the tip of my head, waves of it, and I was completely healed in three or four hours. I, when I pray for people, I feel that power. Often they just get miraculously healed. This is not our power. It's God's Holy Spirit, gifts of miracles and healings flying through healing hands that God gives us to bless us and to bless other people. That power healed me. I walked out. I said, God, what am I? He said, you are a reborn Christian. What's reborn? You have to die and come back to life? He said, no, you were born again when you prayed the Lord's Prayer in the ambulance. Read a Bible. I said, I don't have one. He said, your dad's got one. Within six weeks, I read the entire Bible and saw that you must be born again, John 3. 3. Mm -hmm. Saw that Jesus is glorified. There's a new heaven and a new earth. That salvation can come through only Jesus and no other name. And I went, that's it. I told my mum She burst into tears and told me how she had been praying. I led most of my family back to the Lord. And within 12 months, God said, go and preach the gospel. That multitude I showed you, I want you to go out and preach the gospel to the world. And he said, freely receive, freely give. So for 30 years, I haven't sold it through Christian media or Christian stuff. Let's give it away. We've done hundreds and hundreds of thousands through nobodies who sit there in their house and copy my testimony and DVD and make no money on it. But I've hit millions of people through giving it away. I trust God that he can reach the world through the power of a testimony.
3: And what a testimony it is. Mm-hmm. Ian McCormack, you're currently based in London. Yep. You're a senior pastor of which church?
1: Kingsgate Christian Fellowship.
3: Mm-hmm. And you spend a majority of your time traveling and sharing.
1: I just try and hear what God has to do. So I do a mixture of um, church work, uh, pastoring to church, speaking, uh, counseling, praying, teaching, Bible school. Whatever God opens up doors and conferences, seminars, prisons, whenever doors open up, If we can do that. And of course, with a wife and three kids, as you get, and you get older, you get more limited what you can do.
3: God is using you for amazing purposes. And I think there's so much more yet in store beyond being known as jellyfish man. (laughs) God bless you and all that you're doing, Ian. It's been an absolute pleasure. If anyone wants to find out more information about yourself, about your story, about uh, the movie, The Perfect Wave, where is the best place? They can find that. I have
1: a website called a glimpse of eternity.org, mm-hmm. and you can find that um, on there. There are videos, there's teaching, there's interviews with the fishermen in Mauritius, my mum, and as I said, the reason why I'm here is because of a praying mother. You bet. A woman who loves the Lord and helped her son through prayer to come to know him again.
2: That was Karen Hunt chatting with Ian McCormack from New Zealand, otherwise known as the Box Jellyfish Man. What an incredible experience he's had. And as we just heard, he's been sharing his story and the good news of Jesus Christ for many years now. He's providing food for thought for all of us as we try to imagine what life after death is going to be like. It was great to hear his insights. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of Ian McCormack's story. Once again, his website is a glimpse of eternity dot org. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone
0: today. Next time on the story. When we adopted Marcus, he actually came to us with all these little monitors attached to his torso and wires running from those to a huge box that monitored his breathing and his heart rate, and if ever the one of those things uh, dropped low, this horrendous loud alarm would go off. It was really difficult. Mm.
2: Grant Norsworthy is the former bass player for the Poor Coleman trio. He and his wife wanted more children and it did happen, but not in the way they had planned. We'll find out about their adoption story next time.
0: The story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.